2: right rug flooring
0: think dating is hard try finding love when you're neurodivergent today we're talking with a guest who not only has firsthand experience but also just happens to be the best-selling author of the kiss quotient
1: hi i'm sarah wendell i'm alicia rye welcome to love struck daily where we bring a love story to your ears every single day
0: Alicia, it's time for our latest New York Times question.
1: And of course, you're referring to the 36 questions to fall in love from the New York Times. Highly recommend this quiz for all people with their partners, romantic, platonic, whoever. Because, you know, you just want to get to know each other better sometimes, and this is a good way to do it, I think.
0: And, you know, if you're listening and you want to tell us your answer, you know we want to hear Please your answers too, us. right? Yeah. yeah. We want to hear it. Struck Daily at media. Alicia, when did you last sing to yourself or to someone else?
1: I sing to everybody all the time, always. I, I feel like most of my singing is in the form of theme songs or jingles. Oh, Every so, day my
0: dogs are a different song.
1: Yeah. I mean, when, when we put – we have little wings that we put on Puddin' that – it was a Halloween costume, and and she just likes them. Like, it calm her down. Uh, yeah. So when she puts those on, she has her Bat-Cat jingle, which it goes – I mean, of course. It goes <clears> – <throat> should I sing it?
0: Are you are joking? Like, okay, yes, go of course you – So it uh, goes – What kind of question is that?
1: Bat-Cat, Bat-Cat, doing the things that a cat can't <laughs> So that's her bat jingle um every every saturday and sunday we go get coffee and when uh kai lived downtown in downtown la we would walk to get coffee and now we live a little bit far out so we drive but the, the jingle remains the same and it goes coffee walk coffee walk <laughs> <laughs> and then and then whatever day it is so it'll be like sunday edition
0: that's amazing so you're basically the heroine of a musical all the time. Yes, yeah. I, if I, you're, you are in your own Hamilton yes. all day, yeah. every day.
1: I am I am the main character <laughs> at all times for every reason.
0: <laughs> I sing to myself, but the the dogs, any pop song can be made to be about your pet. That's true. For example, don't be fooled by the dogs that I've got. We still, we still walk around the block. Ooh, I like that. Sometimes they poop a little, sometimes they poop a lot. Yeah, I, I can make any song into an anthem. That's like a for my that's dogs. a great
1: throwback. Fantastic, oh, yeah. yeah, little Jenny from the block there.
0: But yeah, all all pop songs can be about your pets. And then I sing to myself constantly. Mm-hmm. One of my very favorite things to do on a weekend when no one's around, which is rare, is to get on the treadmill, but then walk at just enough of a speed that I can sing. Mm. So I'll just do a whole whole slew of songs on my workout playlist with, you know, moderate dance moves. I don't want to fall off and hit the wall. But singing and walking is way too fun. And I love singing to myself.
1: But today, Sarah, we have something to sing about. I agree. We have a very special guest, New York Times bestselling author, Helen Huang, author of The Kiss Quotient, The Bride Test, and The Heart Principle.
0: All very good books you should read.
1: We are so honored to have her on Lovestruck Daily today to talk to us. Welcome,
0: Helen. Thank you so much for doing this interview.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: So, Helen, your novel, The Kiss Quotient, has been translated into more than 30 languages, which is amazing. And now you have three books out. Congratulations. What are some of the responses that you've received from readers about your books?
3: I guess they usually come in three categories. The first is, I loved your book. It's a great romance. Those make me really happy. And then there are comments from family or loved ones of people who are on the autism spectrum. It's usually people expressing gratitude that I kind of offered a window into the minds of these loved ones. Of course, I love to get any kind of responses from readers, and these make me happy. But the special ones, really special, are from autistic readers themselves. Some people say that the books helped them gain insights and set them on a path towards their own diagnosis, or else that it gave them hope that they can find love in the future for themselves. So those kind of Responses are really special because it feels like I really reached people and made an impact.
0: Oh, I love a good taxonomy, and I admire very much that you've created a taxonomy of your of your fan mail. <laughs> I think everyone should do that. It makes for easier organization do you Do you go back and reread your fan mail? I do sometimes when I'm having a bad day
3: I haven't really,
1: but i perhaps I should start <laughs> you should i mean i I never did. I always just sort of filed it away and never thought about it. I I used to feel very shy when I read it. And then I I was diagnosed with ADHD and I follow a lot of ADHD creators. And there's one she talked about how anything that is complementary is sort of like a quarter for her brain when she's feeling especially anxious or depressed and struggling with something and so I made a folder on my phone that says quarters. So when I need a quarter, I go in there and I look at it. Right. It's a nice it's a nice little right. thing. Yeah. It's a little idea. bank of compliments. Sometimes you need them.
0: Now, you mentioned autism and we know that you've written and spoken about being diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder in 2016 and that you write characters with autism what are some of the assumptions that people have about love and romance for people with autism and and what do you
3: see as the reality? So, I think there was a point where I was actually researching love and autism and I ran across this website where they basically said that autistic partners are selfish and incapable of empathy. And it was basically a place for people to air their grievances because they had been in a bad relationship with an autistic person. And, and I thought that was really sad. And it, it made me angry because my husband doesn't think that of me, at least I, not that he's told me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have a lot of autistic friends, and they're the kindest, most empathetic people I know. So I feel like, you know, just, just like with every other group of people, the bad ones exist, but that's not everyone, and it's not the rule. It, beyond this, I, I also I really dislike it when people say that it's disrespectful to write autistic people falling in love and having sexual intimacy. I find that really infantilizing and offensive you know, I'm in a relationship, we do all the things that people do. It's not that different than an average person's experience. And so I really hate being categorized as this protected group that can't have regular experiences. So yeah, I just, I think that autistic women are just like other women. There are different struggles and things like that, but at the core of us, we're like anyone
2: else.
0: What a dreadful misconception about a whole entire person and a group of people. I think so, obviously. Good heavens. Now, can I ask you about your own love story? How did you meet your husband and when did you know that you were in love
3: with him? We met in college. He is my first boyfriend, also my only boyfriend as a late bloomer. And he was also my martial arts instructor. <laughs> This is a romance yeah. novel. I'm sorry, are, are Alicia? Are you taking notes? Yeah, that's fantastic. I love. That.
0: Yeah, keep going. Tell yeah, us to tell us more. the whole. Okay, so chapter one. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I knew fairly on that I was interested in him, and I think I I asked him out like five times, and I think you know he, he's a physicist, uh, so he's really clueless. I remember the first time I asked him, I was like, do you want to have lunch with me? And he said, oh, no, I already ate. (laughs) Second time, do you want to have dinner with me? And it was, oh, it's too late. Um, And the third time, since you don't have dinner at this time, do you want to have dessert with me? Um, and he says, "Oh no, I don't eat sweets before bed." And oh, for gosh! <laughs> and of course, me—I'm so clueless that I, you know, I think like a normal person would have thought, "Oh, he just—he just really doesn't like me." But like his <laughs> his reasons were so rational, like they didn't imply that he didn't <laughs> like me. They just implied that I wasn't asking in the right way, and so I kept going. <laughs> And I asked him to a house party as I, I lived in this house with a whole bunch of other martial artists and we were having a big party and he said, Oh, I might show up. And he didn't. <laughs> no. And then we had a tournament and I asked him to show up for that. He said he might. And again, he didn't. And then finally I said, I was going to see a movie with a bunch of friends Do you want to go see Lord of the Rings with me, The Return of the King? And of course, like all the nerd bells went ding, ding, ding. And he said, yes, I'd love to see Return of the King with you. And he didn't realize till halfway through the movie that it was a date. He told me this. He didn't realize. Oh, my gosh. After that, he he was like, oh, I think she likes me. I might like her. And, and then hmm. <laughs> that
0: took a whole semester. <laughs> a whole semester? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, I did not have martial arts physicist on my hero <laughs> archetype chart, but I, yeah, it's think, a good one. I think I need to add that to the heroic archetype list, <laughs> the martial arts physicist. Oh, my gosh. Is oh. he
1: embarrassed now, like, when he thinks about it? Or is he like, how did I not realize? I'm, that I think
3: – he should be a little embarrassed. Yeah. A little <gasps> bit.
0: A
1: little bit.
0: Do you wanna have lunch? No, I already ate.
1: <laughs> I would have done the same thing though. I was also <laughs> clueless in college. People <laughs> ask me out all the time. I was telling I was telling Kai the other day because my friend was over and she was talking about it she was like oh yeah she was friends with all the football players and didn't know what was going on i was like yeah i'd be in their room and one of them would be like hey do you want to like give me a massage and i said to him sure lie down and then i walked on his back <laughs> cuz I thought he really just had like a ache in his back and i was <laughs> and i was just walking on his back and but he said it was the best back massage he ever got so. <laughs> It was, actually but also it was very fun. coolest so so I very much empathize with your with your husband because <laughs> I feel like I would have been in the same boat.
0: Oh my gosh. Do you remember the moment that you fell, like fell for your husband?
3: Yeah, I was thinking about it and I remember there's a on campus they had this day called Slope Day which is the day when the, everyone celebrates the end of class it's right before finals and everybody celebrates with of course drunken revelry and i mean <laughs> i obviously i remember i was playing soccer barefoot on wet grass and i slipped and i twisted my ankle really bad
2: and i got oh.
3: i got taken to the nurse or the doctor or wherever And I remember that I called him and I told him, oh, I can't meet you wherever, whenever it was, um, because I met the doctors because I slipped and I hurt my ankle. And I didn't have any expectations that he would do anything. You know, I'm like the second youngest of six kids. So I I don't have a high expectation of people taking care of me or worrying about me or anything. But he showed up. He showed up. Right away, and you know he had plans with all his friends, but he just stitched them all, and he raced over there and and he was so worried and and he carried me around all over and and I think, like just when he showed up and he, he had shaven he shaved his beard, and he had this awful fu Manchu mustache, <gasps> oh, no. I think it was on a dare, I don't know, it was horrible. <laughs> But I remember when he showed up, I was like, I think I love that guy. <laughs> so it wasn't so
0: much showing up with the twisted ankle. It was the it was the the mustache and beard, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> I can't even bring myself to say it sarcastic. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> but yeah.
0: So what inspired you to write your first novel, The Kiss Quotient? Were you inspired? It was the beard, wasn't it? I just realized it was it was all of that fine facial hair action. The quotient is the is the beard ratio.
3: I before the kiss quotient, I had been kind of playing with the idea of a gender swapped pretty woman, Um, but I had you know I couldn't figure out why you know beautiful successful woman would need to hire an escort, and it wasn't until my daughter's preschool teacher uh, called me and, and we talked and she told me she thought my daughter was on the autism spectrum because they'd been having issues in class. And as I was researching autism in females, it, it basically put me on this path where I, you know, it led to my own diagnosis. And it also inspired the character for the Kids Quotient because she hires an escort because she's not good with people. She wants practice. Very logical reason.
0: <laughs> I I have learned a lot doing this podcast. And we've had guests that talk about how people are expected to know things that are actually acquired skills. Like nobody knows how to go out and date somebody. I still don't. Nobody knows about sexuality and how it affects their own body until they actually sit and focus and learn on it. So it it seems entirely rational that someone who doesn't know how to do something would ask a, an expert.
3: I think so. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it makes total sense. Now, has romance writing helped you appreciate your partner? Has it changed any aspects of your relationship?
3: I don't know that the writing has impacted my relationship as much as the other way around, that, that the relationships, in real life gets poured into the books themselves. Oh,
0: I can completely understand that. I think that's true of most writers, wouldn't you think, Alicia? Uh,
1: I I do definitely steal from everything. Like, if I hear a conversation or something, I kind of put it in the back of my head. If I watch something on TV, I put it in the back of my head. So yeah, I'm a thief. But but I also think that writing romance in a lot of ways, especially after writing many of them, it, it really does hone your appreciation for communication <laughs> because I do think that that's the main thing that you know we, we just try to get these two people like we're trying to get them to kiss but we're also trying to get them to talk to each other and it can get frustrating when you can't get them together to talk to each other so I think that's probably how it's impacted my relationships maybe the most the, the other way.
0: Helen can I ask what you're working on right now? I don't want to Go into
3: it too much because it keeps changing. Isn't it annoying when they do that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been stuck in these loops as I've been, which is very exhausting. Uh, just rewriting the beginning, feeling like I if mm-hmm. I just keep going, I'll find the right beginning. Uh, anyway, it's inspired by the movie Lars and the Real Girl.
1: Oh, oh, where he
3: dates that blow up doll. Mm-hmm. Um, which I loved. I thought that was so funny. There isn't act, an actual blow-up doll in this story, but <laughs> a, a little bit of something similar.
1: Oh, that's so cool.
3: Having
0: fun that is with very it. cool. <laughs> Helen, do you want to tell us where people can find you online?
3: I'm on Instagram at H. Wong writes, and I have a website, helenhwang.com. Fabulous.
0: Thank you so much for doing this interview. It has been such a pleasure to talk with you, and mm-hmm. I I had such a lovely time chatting with you. Thank you.
3: I love talking to you both.
0: I absolutely loved that conversation, and I'm so honored that Helen hung out with us today. Alicia, what is your love to go for listeners to take into their days with them?
1: I keep thinking about her story about her and her husband, and how she had to ask, like, (laughs) 19 times before he (laughs) he figured out what she was on about. And I just think, what a great example, though, is that of how there's somebody for everybody. I mean, she had to ask him a bunch of times, and he didn't get it. But also, he found somebody who would ask a bunch of times and not be turned off by that. So I think that that is a great lesson, you know, if you're feeling like nobody understands you or, you know, maybe you're not quite in step, it's it's nice to know that there are people out there who get you and who appreciate you the way that you are.
0: Someone out there is looking for you while you are looking for someone. Exactly. Well, we are looking for you email us and tell us what you think if you've got a love story and a lot of people have adorable love stories and then they send them to us and we are so excited and we would love to hear yours you can email us at lovestruckdaily at frolic.media you can follow us on instagram and the twitter at lovestruckdaily and please consider leaving a review wherever or however you listen so we can spread more love and joy into everyone's earbuds each and every weekday Our researcher is Jesse Epstein. Our editor is Jen Jacobs. We are produced by Abigail Steckler and Little Scorpion Studios and Jillian Davis with executive producer Frolic Media. This is an iHeartRadio podcast. We wish you a very happily ever after today.
2: with you.